Hello, and welcome to the Alt Left. Welcome back, everyone, to our bonus part two, talking about pinko nonsense uh, with the Alt Left. Uh, buckle up, because mom and dad are about to fight. Um, this was going to be a lovely, uh, factual, educational topic, and, and and basically just came down to, uh, you know, Kay and I arguing about implementation. So buckle up, mom and dad are going to hate each other. It's going to be okay. We're not getting divorced, I promise. Um, I've let Kay out of, he's, he's not on the couch anymore. Thank you. I appreciate not having to sleep on the couch. Kay, tell them you're yeah. okay, or I'll hit you again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Show off your tennis bracelet. <laughs> it wasn't a tennis bracelet. <laughs> well, yeah, but this is a family show, and I can't say pearl necklace. So, everyone, welcome back. Enjoy it. Hope you like it. Um, you know, and again, it, it definitely gets into a little bit of infighting, but hey, that's what the left has to do. Because if we can't have arguments and discussions on minutia, and we're just going to take everything as dogma. How does that separate us from the right? It doesn't. So nope. buckle up, enjoy it. And uh, we will see you on Monday with our fresh episode, which I think you're really going to like. It's an interview with a gubernatorial candidate, and it's going to be a lot of fun. See you around. And yeah, when it comes to reform like that, when I look at people like Bernie and even Obama, People who are actually trying for incremental change, they keep getting promised one thing, especially progressive Americans. And it's like, we're all Charlie Brown, and Lucy keeps pulling the fucking football away, and we keep getting surprised every time it happens. Well, and I don't disagree with you that that is what happens. I I still feel like it's much more likely to have some sort of reform, at least in this country, than some sort of revolution. And I know that you are. That, that your feelings about that, Chris, are uh, the exact opposite of that. Yes, and I would challenge you why. Uh, because I, I, I honestly don't see, I don't see the the proletariat, as it were, rising up and and shutting the entire government down. I just don't see it happening. But my question is why? Because at this point, it's just a faith statement. Okay. So why would that happen? Well, hold on. What evidence? So how you... would that happen? What evidence do you have that? It... I, I, I will happily give that evidence, but that doesn't change the burden on you. You've just shifted it. You are making a statement that this could not happen. You don't see this as any kind of probable. It's like, do we have examples of that failing miserably in this country? Well, we don't have any example of it actually working, though, either. How did the Vietnam War end? Ending a war is not the same thing as changing an entire governmental system and that's literally what overnight. You mean like the Russian Revolution? Or you mean like the Chinese Revolution? Here in the United States. We're not talking about another country. We're talking about here in the United States. Okay, so even though it's happened at countries that have almost the exact same kind of people in it, it can't happen here. Why? Other than I don't feel it will. Because why is it different in Russia or China or Vietnam or Venezuela or El Salvador? Why is it different in these places than it is here? Well, no, okay, hold on, real quick. the The thing is, is it is only feeling. Okay, I don't have any concrete evidence for the the alternative. The issue is that 
you don't really have any evidence for the contrary either. I, I do, and I'll happily give it to you. But I'm asking, what is informing your point other than a gut feeling? You've come to this conclusion. I want to know what led you to that. Even if you don't have, I have, here's an imperial document. Like, you don't need that. Because I, I don't see it happening. I don't see the people of the United States getting mad, getting to a point to which this will actually happen. I just don't see it occurring. When I look at things, I don't see this happening. Even though that's how we did things like end slavery in this country. And that's how we created the, like, that's how we, that's reason we have things like an end of child labor and weekends and overtime pays because people literally rioted and joined unions in mass and fought cops and marched on Washington armed. Like, there's countless examples through American history alone of people banding together to literally tear down an oppressive system in this country and force change. I don't see the type of change you're talking about from the the system that we have today to a communist system like that. I don't see it happening. I, I totally get that. I just... Other than you don't think it will, like I just, I, again, what I'm looking for is what is informing that decision. What you're advocating for is some overnight change. Everybody gets mad, we overthrow the government, and all of a sudden we're fucking communists. It just doesn't work. It does, all the time. It, except it doesn't. It doesn't it, work. It hasn't it worked. Does. It does. Except that it doesn't. Okay, hold it on, has real not quick, been real proven quick. to work. Did the Russian... Answer but this. You, Did the Russian Revolution your point work? Is, Did it happen? Well, of course it happened. Okay, it happened overnight. I mean, not overnight. It was over a matter of weeks. But yes, it basically historically happened overnight, right? Yes. And until then, nothing like that had ever happened. It was a monarchical, tyrannical rule for thousands of years. You really think Tsar Nicholas woke up that morning and was like, oh yeah, it's, revolution's totally happening. I'm screwed. No. No one thought it would happen. And in fact, there was nothing but precedent throughout that nation that it had never happened. A farmer's uprising in China bringing communism? That had never fucking happened. Cuba? Everyone banding together to throw out serfdom? That had never happened. Cuba was constantly owned by imperial colonizers who enslaved them. It had never happened. It was unthinkable. Vietnam? Okay. Throwing out the French? Impossible. Because all they had ever been done was being occupied by either the French or China, two humongous military powers. And yet overnight they had a revolution and changed everything. So it's like every single instance where this happens, it's like saying it couldn't rain tomorrow, it's sunny today. And it's like, well, every time there's the first day of rain, it was preceded by non-rain. Well, yeah, but today it's not raining, so it couldn't happen here. And it's like, why not? That's how it happens. And so if you disagree, that's okay, but... All historical precedent says this technically could happen anywhere and could happen rapidly. And for you to say it couldn't happen. So let me amend what I'm saying. Then. then I will admit that anything could happen. Yes, we absolutely could have a revolutionary revolution tomorrow. I don't think it will. I don't think that the American people are anywhere close to a point to where they will band together and overthrow the government, and put in place a communist government. I mean, short of the communist government part, that's pretty much the last words of King George. Yeah, except that I don't believe it to happen. But that is what happened. 
It's what happened to King George. We're not talking about King George. We're talking about the United States in today. And you're saying that it's possible, and I will acquiesce that it is possible. Is it probable is the question. And the probability of it happening is not there. Okay, and that's fair. I will agree that the probability is lesser. The probability of every revolution is lesser. The question is, do you think it is even less likely here than in other countries where unlikely revolutions took place? Yes. Why? What makes us different than Russia? The same thing that makes us different every single time for every single reason. Because American exceptionalism is what makes us different. Matt, I'm curious about your take on this. So I think I understand what you're talking about, Kay. And the reason I think I understand that is because I used to be in your shoes before I even met you guys. Like I was very, the, where you are now is where I was when I was like 25. I would, here's what I would say. It, it, Kay is right. It comes down to a feeling, but I am now at the point where I want revolution. I agree with Chris on this point. 100%. Oh, I, I think you misunderstand. I want revolution. We don't misunderstand. We know you're saying you're talking about the likelihood of it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. The reason why I was always reluctant to believe it could happen, you you made a good point, Kay. American exceptionalism is one. Uh, the fact that this country has been inundated with anti-communist propaganda and anti-organization. I mean, capitalism has worked diligently hard to just cripple whatever unionizing and workers' rights. Like, like it really has become a stigma in a lot of places to work with unions. A popular thing that they like to do is talk about how, well, would she workers get in a union? They'll never get fired and, and blah, blah, and all these other stupid bullshit. They'll steal your money and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Propaganda has done a really good job of stigmatizing the ideas that usually bring people to coalesce around uh, the ideas of communism. It really has. Um, so I've seen that. I've seen a reluctance. I've seen division amongst the American people everywhere. Race being a big one, especially now because we have f- freaking idiots that can't. E- that are too stupid to even understand that the shit that they're they're saying and doing is inherently racist. Like they have they have been sold on the idea that they're not racist, and it's just everybody else and the liberals that have the problem. They just see everyone as racist. And so these ideas have festered, especially now, and the right has done a really good job of, of infecting people. When you're looking at all that, it is easy, in my opinion, to believe nothing will ever change because you can see in the American people a lack of willingness to want to change. However, I also see things like George Floyd happening. I see events around this country consistently pissing people the fuck off. Now we're Americans. Sooner or later, something new comes on the news and we forget, but it's happening more and more frequently. People are staying mad for the first time. It's getting to the point. And again, we still have a better quality of life than a lot of the countries that we're talking about did before their revolutions got started. Things have to keep getting shittier to get people pissed off enough to upheave the government. That, that that has to happen. But I believe if we continue on the path that we are continuing on, this constant cycle of electing a fascist and a, an elliptic conservative uh, corporate dem, 
just repeating that over is going to keep us on the path we are on and bad shit is going to keep happening more and more frequently and people are going to get pissed and it's going to eventually come to the point where people will start forgetting about all this divisive shit that's been happening and come together and realize that the, that, that the real enemy are these assholes are the ones trying to divide us. Well, and again, beyond, beyond that, this has happened before. Like, that's the thing, is, is we talk about American exceptionalism and ultra-patriotism, the idea of American citizens in mass burning draft cards was unfucking thinkable before 1970. That was unthinkable. They were flabbergasted. Johnson and Nixon could not understand the resistance to the Vietnam War. No Americans had ever done that. Americans never burned their draft card. Americans beat the draft every single war, even things like the Korean War, which people knew was a trash war. It was like, nope, it's my patriarch duty. I'm fucking going. And all of a sudden, overnight, this, this shift happened. And people started burning down Bank of America's. People started having massive, massive protests. People started refusing to show up. And no one had ever thought that was even possible. That had never happened in American history. We were way too patriotic for that. And then all of a sudden it did. And the idea that black people didn't have to be property anymore, that's always the way America was. And then all of a sudden it fucking changed. And we had a goddamn war over it. And I'm telling you, Kay, we are close to a spark like that happening now. Yeah, there's George two Floyd things that prevent it. George Floyd's one, but there's two things that hold it back, and that is the one thing that's always held it back, the fucking FBI, basically. Americans have been ripe for revolution for a while now. The problem with American revolution is not the will of the people. It is a willing, violent crackdown by our oppressive government. That's actually the other reason why I don't believe that it will happen. That's why it hasn't happened. But the other thing is that things aren't bad enough yet. Because people with college degrees can still eat food. That'll change. Yeah, and until that happens, mm -hmm. we are not going to see any significant change. I agree. But it's coming. I just don't see it happening the way you see it happening. And I understand that you think that someday it will get so bad. I just don't see it getting there in the same time frame that you do. I see it. I see it getting there in the. I see it getting there within the next fifty to hundred years. You don't think in the next fifty to hundred years we're going to have a major climate collapse, or we're going to get into massive resource wars with countries like China, and this country isn't going to become a fucking hellscape? You don't think that's going to happen in the next century? Uh, in the next century, yes. That's always uh, been the time frame I, I'm working with. Not actually. Uh, I, I remember. Now this was not. This was pre-podcast, but I remember us talking about this previously, and you never talked about it in the, the 50 to 100 year uh, I have, time frame. I have always talked about it in that time frame. I have always said I'm for it now and that you need people pushing for it now so that when the time comes, it goes through. Okay, well, that was never the impression that I received. Matt, did you ever receive that impression from me? I'm, I'm actually going to be, I'm with Chris on this one. Whenever I've talked to him about this topic, even well before we, the idea of a podcast even came up with us, this was always a, a, a point of his that he he expressed. Uh, Chris is always, and it's actually something we've joked about often. Chris is always going to be the one in the driver's seat of the train, putting the gear fucking to the metal, screaming, choo-choo, motherfuckers, we're coming through. That's what yeah. Chris sits on the, chain, the train. I agree problem. with that, but in terms of the time frame is what i was saying yeah is i i never saw 50 to 100 years it was always now 
No, I want one now, but I don't expect it to happen for 50 to 100 years. But that's why I say is I never received that impression that your belief was 50 to 100 years. I got the impression that your belief was much sooner than that. And the 50 to 100 years is a stab in the dark. I'm, I'm a student of history. I don't predict the future. Um, what I can tell you is what causes things when they do happen. And we are heading down that road. That could be 100 years away. That could change rapidly as well. There is quite possibility that 10 years from now, shit gets way fucking worse. And that's when shit will happen. It's when things get bad enough. But that's always when revolution happens, is when things get bad enough for the average citizen. Is when you're like, well, at a certain point, my family's probably going to die anyway. May as well go kill the fucking president. That's when revolutions happen. Well, and you also have to remember, too, us having these conversations now, we're not the only ones doing this. Generation Z, these Xennials. They're not Xennials, the Generation Z. It's Xennials is a weird made-up word that doesn't exist. It's not a real generation, but it's the people in between Gen Z and Gen X. I used to be all about these different generational titles. Now I just don't give a shit. It, it's yeah. fucking, it, it's, it's confusing and stupid. Gen Z, fine. The youngest of our generation, they're all about it. Because again, I've said this before, when they hear socialism, they don't think Stalin and gulags. They think healthcare and college tuition paid for by taxes. Correct. And they fucking yeah. want it. They're They're hungry for it. Me too. As they should. And these conversations that we're having, these podcasts, we're not the only ones doing it. This is getting out there and you need to do this because it's part of deprogramming the populace and countering the propaganda that's been shoved down our throats for our generation. I mean, that's the thing too, is remember, this isn't new, Kay. You, me, and Chris all got this going on. Yeah, it, it was after we were adults that people started realizing, oh, hey, this is all bullshit. Yeah, I I never said it was new. No, I'm not saying you were, but I I, I was, I'm saying in general, I'm addressing you because I'm talking to you in the podcast. Yeah, and and that's the thing is again, we now see just as many people having a favorable view of socialism as don't. That's a very new thing in this country. Very new. It's very new for the last hundred years, but prior to that, there was quite a few people. There was handfuls. There was more than handfuls. Half the country was not in favor of a massive social socialist upheaval. I, I wouldn't say that half the country, but the idea of socialism was a growing popular view. Yeah, yeah, it was all over the world, America included. And then, and then we stamped that shit down. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's all I was saying. But what I'm saying is the idea that half the population thinks it's awesome. I wouldn't say half the population now thinks it's awesome. Polling data is showing it's it getting close to 50% if you actually include Gen Z. If you include only people of voting age, it's still like 30% or something like that. Once you start bringing in Gen Z, it gets into the high 40s. Well, and you also have to remember too, millennials as a generation, we outnumber the boomers by some ridiculous number, like two to one, three to one, something like that. Like we outnumber them greatly. And Generation Z is even bigger than us. And, and and that's the other thing that I think has been unique. Most polling data suggests that contrary to what has been historically, there's usually a big generational divide. Like the boomers and uh, Gen Xers and, and, and um, millennials like us, there's a big generational divide. We don't agree on a lot of shit. Whereas Gen Z and millennials agree on a fucking lot. And that's a unique thing that's a so, that socially isn't happening anymore, which says that as boomers, the boomer generation starts dying out, 
our generation's now coming of age to replace them. Generation Z is going to be right behind us. We're going to be more united politically than any gener- two generations before us. Yeah, and by the way, I just looked up the Pew Research on it. Of voting age, 42% positive view of socialism. 42%. Mm-hmm. And, and 55% have a negative. But you have to keep reminding people of the fact good ideas take hold. And the bottom line is these ideas are good. Paying taxes so that you get no cost to yourself when you go to college, when to get health care, to take care of your populace so that they, I mean, even from a capitalist point of view, that's the thing that always got me is if you lift up the base, they will spend more and put even more money back into the system. Well, and that's that's the insanity. Well, of course, of and we've it. talked we've talked about that before, yeah. and and I agree with you. I, yeah, we're all part of our in agreement about that. Yeah. Like that is not the issue. Yeah, a rising we, tide lifts all boats. We all agree with that. Yeah, one. what we're talking about here, or so far, has been the likelihood of one versus the other, and I think that socialism is a much more likely outcome versus a outright communism shift. Okay, but we've been talking about that. What do you, what's the difference? When you say a socialist, you know, revolution versus a communist one, what do you mean by that? Because you can't have a communist you can't you can't have a communist system without socialism. Well, yes, but uh, communism relies specifically on a violent revolution, a, a violent upheaval between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat, right? So does, so does socialism. No, not necessarily. How so? Socialism also works on reform as well. It doesn't when? have to necessarily be what? When has there been a socialist revolution that wasn't violent? I, I don't know. Zero. There has never been one. All socialist revolutions are violent. And they require violence. And again, this is one of those things where I used to be on your side, Kane. I think what you're advocating for is the slow indoctrination of socialism over a long period of time. Kind of like, and again, t- correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in your viewpoint, what you want or are advocating for is us to slowly adopt more and more socialist programs to where we look more and more like, let's say, the UK or France. Yeah. Progressing down that line. Because I think that's much more likely. But and those, as public that's, opinion that's turns, we adopt more and more socialist policies until we evolve into a socialist state, which is what I think Correct. you're advocating for. Correct. Without the Correct. threat of violence, what you want is that to happen. In your view, I, I would get, I would use the term naturally. I simply think it's much more likely based on you still have a balance of older people and younger people. And yes, those boomers are leaving and we have a Gen X generation that doesn't give a fuck about anything. And then we, excuse me, and then we have the millennial generation, which was, is much more active. And then you have the Gen Z, who is even more active than that. And I see a more gradual change being much more likely than a violent revolution. That's a fair prediction. Uh, I actually don't agree with you. Yeah. But and, I, I don't I think, think your view on that is the crazy. difference here. Yeah. No, no. The, the fundamental difference, though, is real quick, is terminology, because what you're talking about is not socialism. What you're talking about is capitalism with government payout sprinkles. That is not socialism. Socialism is the common ownership of the means of production. But ultimately, the goal is socialism. Yes, but that can't happen without violence. You think Jeff Bezos is going to hand over Amazon and all of his money? No, but my point is, is that you always are advocating for this violent revolution. And I just don't, I don't subscribe to violent revolution. I just don't. But all revolution is violent. People in power do not give up power willingly because you ask them nicely. 
the civil rights movement required violence. We were talking about American social movements. They all require, I mean, again, taking out like revolutions in other countries, if we're going to speak simply like American, what American cultural revolution didn't require violence? Well, all of them did. Gay rights, that required Stonewall. The civil rights movement, that involved police dogs, lynchings, murders, hanging the Klan, bombings. I mean, I just, I, I, you know, again, the right for children not to work and die in machines and having overtime pay and guarantee and, and, and workers' compensation insurance. These all required murder of union leaders and people being slaughtered in the streets in, in places like Boston and New York. These all required violence. This never happens without violent opposition to authority. I don't, I don't prescribe violence because I think it's fun. I don't want to get shot. I didn't say you did. I know. But I prescribe violence because it's the only thing that works. And again, if you disagree, that's fine. But then I would challenge you to give me examples of why not. I don't want to see that as being my future. I don't want to see violent revolution being my future. And so if I uh, subscribe to violent revolution, that means that I want that for my future. Okay, but what what I want is uh, what I want is for social uh, social change. I want things to change. Okay, so real quick question. We don't want a violent revolution. And again, this is not a trick question. This is the da- this is the part of it that I don't like is because a lot of people have to die, right? Like I would agree. That's the problem. Even though I subscribe to a violent revolution, I completely agree that its biggest down point is that a lot of people got to get hurt and die. I would argue, though, that more people get hurt and die without it. How many people in the last 200 years have starved to death in this country because of capitalism? I, I couldn't tell you. Neither could I. And neither could you. But I'm willing to bet it would be a hell of a lot more than in a political upheaval um, revolution. I don't know that to be true. Would you say the number is millions? Because... I wouldn't even venture a guess, to be honest. I would venture that millions have died over the last two centuries from starvation and poverty in this country. Countless millions. What I'm, what I was saying is, is I couldn't even venture a guess on how many might die during violent revolution. Yes, but I would guarantee that that is less than the population of the United States. And I'm pointing out that I think more people have died due to poverty in the United States than what is the entire current population. So if every no. single person in the nope. United States... No, you don't... Not even remotely. What's the current U.S. population? Uh, 315 million. So you don't think that in over 200 years, more than 300 million people have died because of no. starvation, uh, lack of medical care. Nope. Fall- no. Really? No. Because, I mean, we can look at some genocide numbers on slavery, indigenous slaughter alone for capitalism. Here in the United States? That's the only slavery and indigenous slaughter I'm talking about. Yeah. That's not even talking so, about so American citizens. Think- 315 million people over the past 200 years have been killed due to those effects. Absolutely. I think it's more than that. The amount of population that we have here in the United States is at a level in which I believe previously the entirety does not make up. So what what few statistics I can find about this are are saying anywhere from 800,000 to a million people uh, every year die of poverty in the United States. Now, again, this is probably going to be when they're tracking it, but... but Yeah, obviously it's probably only for the last like 30 years or 40 years, but yes. Yeah, and as 
we have as a society have evolved, less people are dying of poverty every year. So I think well, not even that, but the population of the United States has grown exponentially since the the inception. So, but yes, I given those just loose numbers that we're saying here, uh, and you're saying the U.S. has been around for about over 200 years, actually closer to 250 now, right? Uh, Doesn't yeah. matter. I'm going to point out that between two and five million people died in the slave trade, the American part of the slave trade alone. Yeah. And I'm just talking about poverty alone here. That doesn't go on to say any other causes of capitalism. If you just say poverty and if you work back and just assume a million is about right. Yeah. People who died because they were homeless. Yeah, But you can't assume a million for 250 years. It doesn't work like that. No, of course not. In the early days, it was thousands. But that's my point. For the first 150 years, we didn't have millions of people dying every year. No. We had no. A, a few thousand or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. And we get closer to a million the larger our population gets. My point is, is that an exponential number doesn't equal. Again, I, I agree. I know we didn't. It's not a steady number all the way through. The number grows along with the population. But that's not what you said. That, that is what I said. I never no, said the contrary. Not. I was willing to say that over the years, in total, I believe that more people have died from poverty-related causes than is the current maximum U.S. population. Yeah, and you're wrong. Prove there it. is no way you prove the the opposite. I can't, which is why I don't go. You're wrong. I say I disagree. You make faith-based draconian statements. It's it's not a faith-based draconian statement. We have looked at some of this the the math. Okay, we are not going to have the numbers going back to the the uh, inception of the country, which is why we're both making estimates we can't prove. I disagree with you. I think the main point that I was going for, regardless, and I and I still think I'm right, but I the main point I'm going with is I think far more have died from capitalism in the United States than would ever die in a revolution. What would you say to that? I'm sorry. Say that again. I would say the main point that I was going for before we went off on semantics was that more people have died from poverty-related causes due to due to capitalism than would die in a revolution, which was the point of bringing that number up. I don't know that to be true. Once again, that's a that's a faith-based statement. It is. How many people do you think would die though? It's a war. I don't know. Cuz we can we can make gross generalizations. I mean, in World War II, Counting, and I'm not talking about combat. I'm talking people who, who who died of an infection just because they happened to be in the in the hills of France. Four hundred and five thousand Americans died in World War II, and that's from combat and non-combat. Four hundred thousand. Okay. How many times magnitude do you think that would be? Deaths in a revolution in the United States. I don't know. How long does this revolution last? Well, I I will say according to to what I did find. In 2011, roughly 845,000 people died in the U.S. of just poverty alone. So if we just take that number by itself, in 2011, more people died of poverty in the U.S. Twice as many. Twice as many than World War II. Yeah. Poverty is exponentially deadlier than war. And that's all of World War II, by the way. That's multiple years, not just one. Yeah, I'm looking at, yeah. Just to clarify, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. And also, I mean, violent revolution is not every single citizen shooting each other. Violent revolution is thousands of people fighting thousands of people. That's how every revolution always is. Like, let's go. This is hardcore, right? Let's say this is like Russian revolution, like dudes with guns, Cuban revolution. Like, we're not talking about like, you know, a few people die and then massive change happens. Like, we're talking about like people storming the capital with guns kind of revolution. Those death tolls are in the thousands. 
every time. Because every single person doesn't leave picking their kids up from soccer practice to grab a Molotov. Most people stay the fuck at home because they don't want to die. Well, and that actually brings up a good point, Chris. Playing devil's advocate, you're not saying I, I'm I'm saying this will happen, mm-hmm. but the common argument from the right again will be pointing to that uh, the basically Stalin era of communism. Oh, is this the uh, the five million that died from communism number or whatever? Kind of, not exactly. What I, what I'm pointing out to is because that claim has been completely debunked. It includes Germans who died from hangnail infections. It included Nazis who were killed by communists. More what I'm getting at here is I think one of the, the main reasons is there's there's a very real palpable fear from in the U.S. from especially the older generation that if this were to happen, immediately we go to Soviet era Russia. Like like that's that then there is no middle ground. There is no half empty. There it is. It is literally what we. Yeah, it's always it's what two we things. Have now it, is, it is Stalin Russia, and it is and it's and it's Mao's famine. Those are the two points they always go to because again, those are the most catastrophically awful um, uh, human life cost events that happen due to communism, and they they completely. And I want to bring up a, and a point around that because. Nobody, none of us here, nobody I think that most we know would be advocating for that. None of us want that. Now, most Americans typically, no. I, be, I think, believe that that's just a natural byproduct of, of communism, but it's not. Um, let's start with Stalin, for instance. Now, Stalin was a protege of Lenin. Lenin was the one that basically got the revolution going. He was the original leader. <sighs> Okay, so to, to, to do this in, in one minute, uh, Stalin was never supposed to be the follow-up to Lenin. Um, nobody liked him. He was a dick. Uh, literally everyone hated him. Um, and then Stalin was, as much as you want to say dick, Stalin was very smart and opportunistic. Well, he was the trigger um, man. He, he was, was, he was able- the enforcer uh, of the revolution, which is kind of why he kept, the, he kept getting jobs, but they kept him in the back. It was Trotsky that was the face guy. But he wasn't – Trotsky was far more of a trigger man than Stalin was. Like, Trotsky's nickname for Stalin, which is why Stalin hated him, was was Comrade um, uh, was like Comrade Rolodex. Like he literally called him that because Stalin's only job was to make sure that Joe brought punch and Jim brought the donuts and that did we call this guy and do like Stalin was literally that's why his his title became secretary because he decided because his one of his greatest pieces of shame was being secretary general. And so he was like, fuck it. That's the coolest title now. Anyone who doesn't like it goes to the gulag. And everyone's like, oh, secretary general. What an amazing title. Okay. Like he literally, because Stalin liked to rewrite history and everyone hated Stalin. Lenin hated him. He even talked shit about, now to be fair, when Lenin died, it was post a stroke and he hated everyone. He literally wrote a, and that was actually one of the bigger problems is that basically Lenin was like, Stalin sucks, Trotsky sucks, this person sucks. He literally like wrote a letter saying, all these guys suck. And so that when it came out, no one could use it to tear down Stalin because all of them were part of it. Um, And so Stalin basically, when Lenin died, had Trotsky's train delayed because Trotsky was supposed to be the big hero and give the eulogy at Lenin's funeral. And and Stalin was like, I'm here. I'm going to give this speech. And in this speech, I'm going to talk about why the fuck doesn't Trotsky love us enough to be here and totally nailed him and turned everyone against him and blah, blah, blah. Total Game of Thrones move and then had him assassinated in Mexico. Like Lenin never wanted Stalin. Stalin seized the throne. But again, but the reason that that is important, because I'm and I'm not trying to paint Trotsky as some like, you know, sainted Jesus. But Lenin was far more brutal. No, he was a dick. He was better than far more brutal. Stalin Stalin was far more brutal. But again, these guys all believed intrinsically 
that the only way you could have a successful com like the only way communism could take hold is if you had a strong leader and a dictatorship. They, they wanted an authoritarian dictatorship. That is not necessarily that is not a necessary component of of communism. It's not a necessary component of socialism. You don't need to have authoritarianism to institute these things. And that's one of uh, I actually just no, I disagree on that one. Authoritarian dictatorships um, and that's, are necessary. Yes, that yes. And, and the reason I said there's a reason why Marx said you need a dictatorship of the proletariat, and that is because you actually need to establish an overreaching, ultra powerful government. Like again, that is why a lot of communist governments or socialist governments tend to fall into the trap of despotism um, is because you absolutely need to do away with certain freedoms like freedoms to be counter-revolutionary and freedoms to be ultra wealthy. Like the government has to see, I mean, here again, again, how are we going to get Jeff Bezos to give up Amazon? You can't Congress could pass a law right now saying that Amazon's done and Jeff Bezos has turned everything. Go ahead and enforce it. Do it. The guy's got more money than the government. Like, you can't. The genie's out of the bottle. We can never go back. Bezos is now king of the world. That is just how it's going to fucking be. He's, he's Lex fucking Luther. But the only way you could would be by sending dudes with guns and kidnapping him and holding him in a warehouse with a black bag over his head where none of his bodyguards know where he is and then eventually smashing him in the balls with a hammer enough until he finally signs everything over. That would be the only way to do it, but that takes an authoritarian regime. It takes guillotines and it takes firing squads. Okay, so, so with that said, then, then, then what is to stop? Because in that situation, can you not see why people against communism would be like, well, okay, but once per we give that much power away, they're just going to hang on to it and yeah. never give it back and they're going to turn into Stalin. But that is the inherent flaw in it. That is the inherent flaw in socialism is it requires an authoritarian regime and it requires that authoritarian regime to be altruistic. But so does capitalism. <laughs> like that's the thing is that capitalism also relies on an authoritarian government that can't be brought. So then why isn't the solution K posed the better one? Because it doesn't hand over all control and power to a single Supreme leader, but we still get the social safety net that we're, we're striving for. Well, hold on real quick. Well, two things. Number one, Case does require everything getting handed over to a single leader, just not in the beginning, at the end. Because at the end, if we're going to eventually move into socialism, that means you believe in a massive government bureaucracy that has the authority to unanimously move goods around based on need and no one else can say anything about it. So regardless of whether or not we want to happen soon or late, you're still arguing for authoritarianism. We're disagreeing on when. If you believe in any kind of of socialism whether it's a revolution that happens overnight or a something that's never happened before but a, a slow slide into socialism either way you're talking about a massive authoritarian government bureaucracy because that's what socialism dictates is that the government eventually in communism once they achieve that level the government basically has to be a giant dmv it has to be a huge bureaucracy that exists to simply take care of people medically and okay, food but there's plots. not a supreme leader of the DMV that's telling everybody at the DMV what they can and can't do. I agree it's a bureaucracy, but like the picture... Oh, real quick, there doesn't have to be a single strong that's man. What I'm, what, that's, that's, what just I was, what that's the point I was making, is that literally there doesn't need to be an authoritarian dictator at the top of... And you you told me no. no that, there doesn't need to be. You told me yes, there does. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I misunderstood you. 
I'm talking about the government being authoritarian. Yes, I don't disagree with that. And the problem with socialism is it tends to lead to a single authoritarian dictator being awful. But the system requires a government that is authoritarian. But I don't, yes, and I don't disagree with that for the same points that you raised. That, but that's, that's the difference. And, and again, the nuance is important because there's a difference between what you're talking about and what like Stalin era Soviet Russia was like, and that's the distinction I was trying to make. But the only reason that takes hold is because of capitalism. And because unless you have a zealous, charismatic leader, everyone else can be assassinated and bought off. Like you can't have the Cuban revolution last longer than a year. If you don't have Castro, would you agree? I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, that, that, that's, but that's the problem is because we literally have an American capitalistic system that assassinates, slaughters, and buys off and coups every single person who tries socialism. So having a strong man who can't be bought off or shot at for a while is literally the only thing that works because of capitalism. But back to the original point, you know, KK suggests a slide to socialism that exists without revolution, and I still I want to see how that happens. Because even in countries where we see this, you know, Denmark, Iceland, you know, France, we still see ultra capitalists not letting go of any of their wealth or power. Anybody? Uh, I don't know what to say to you anymore. Like <laughs> in terms of uh, getting to that, they're much more they're They're much Agreed. further along the, the scale. OK, but getting to this idyllic communist government, you say has to have a, a violent revolution and it just doesn't have to be that way. Um, f firstly, secondly, I don't think we'll ever get to that idyllic communist government. I just don't think it'll happen. And yes, that is a, a objective. I think it's a fair one. Actually, I think it's a fair one. Uh, I am, I am actually not sure we will ever hit there either. I think hitting socialism is possible. I think it is much more, I think much. Yeah. I think socialism is much more possible. I think socialism is actually how we will end up ruling ourselves hundreds and thousands of years into the future. Um, just because I think that that works much better mm. with who we are. Yeah, as that's, 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 that, that is a trope. That's the human nature argument. Yeah. I, who we are as people is yeah, who we are. But as everything people, is collective trope. If we were all ultra individualistic by nature, we would have never developed art or mathematics or science. We've become ultra individualistic recently because of capitalism. That's a newer thing. Humans aren't ultra individualistic by nature. That's happened in the last few centuries. Humans band together against problems and common foes. That's what we do. That's the reason why we've taken over the planet. And so, and again, I actually kind of agree with you um, for different reasons. I don't think we'll actually hit what is uh, definitionally communism because I don't know how you can manage billions of people around the world without currency. Like you, you just can't fucking trade pie for lamb everywhere you go. Like you can't, I, I, if I need a gallon of gas, I can't just be like, well, I don't have any money, but you know, I do have this left shoe. Like it, <laughs> that is valued at three gallons. And he's like, I don't fucking need your left shoe. Get the fuck out of here. Like barter doesn't work in large scale. Barter's great in small scale in a yeah. small town. Sure. Mm -hmm. You can have a barter based economy when you're dealing with billions and billions of people. 
you have to have currency. Currency is good. Um, and I think that there is a bad misnomer that like that's going to be the answer and i think that's where the anarchist side of communism tends to come in and to think that we can solve our problems by returning to communes and it's like there's too many people now yeah if the earth had three million people you could totally do that but we don't we have billions so i don't think true abolition of state and currency will ever happen but i think socialism where all of those means of capital are completely owned by the working class and managed by the working class is absolutely attainable. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. It seems I to too. me that we just think the method. Yeah. That's, that is fundamentally yeah. the difference between our viewpoint is you believe that, 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 that will have to come about. And the reason why and I, disagree I have that. such a strong feeling in that way is that my viewpoint is how it always happens historically. And your viewpoint is how it has never happened historically. That's not to say it's impossible, but it would be the first. And I understand. But I, I think we're talking, we are also talking about two different times in history. I think that because here in the United States, because of who we are as a people, because of our current government, I don't see some sort of violent revolution happening. I see a much a much greater chance of us having some sort of social slide towards socialism based on the population and the viewpoint of those people as younger and younger people become older and older, we have changed ideas. It wasn't the majority of the people that were protesting for George Floyd were not 70 True. and 80 year olds, the boomers. The majority of those people mm -hmm. were Gen Z 100%. and millennials. And those are the same people that have a greater view of socialism than, than Gen X and the boomers. And as we continue to advance our views, as those younger people get older, it's the same thing that, that's, happen, that, that's happening with, with gay rights and, and uh, uh, minority rights is the younger populations don't give a fuck about you know what somebody's pronouns are at large. Now of course yes there's always some subsect group of assholes that you know call themselves super straight, but we're not talking about them. The majority of those people don't give a fuck about what your which pronouns are. Right? Those are the same people that are like, yeah, well, I want socialism, I want fucking healthcare, I yeah, I want education, I want all of those things. So as time goes by, those ideas will become greater accepted and we will see a shift towards those ideas. I think, uh, I think, at yes, an I think towards rate. most social movements, sure. Um, but you're never gonna, you're never gonna wrestle away the means of production from capitalists without violence, without killing them. Like it's just, there is no legislating away capitalism because capitalism is the legislature. We literally have legalized bribery of our senators. Like, we have senators who do not carry out the will of the people currently. Most people think abortion is good. Most people think free health care is good. We have, a, we have an entire governmental system that goes completely against the will of the people because of money and, and capitalism. And we have an electorate that refuses to vote them out of office. That's the other thing, too. I would agree with your take, Kay, if the electorate was informed enough to understand what was happening or even believed it was happening and were willing to unite and vote them out. 
I don't see it. But the the electorate is becoming that. The problem that we've had in the past two or three elections is that predominantly the people that vote are not young, progressive thinkers. They are old people that are set in their ways, and they're going to vote for the same things. And they have shown to do that. And again, I, I don't. There's too much apathy in the electorate. Yeah, but, they the, yeah, but these, these concepts go way back beyond the boomers. Like, Yeah, but the boomers were an entire generation of people that were told that yeah, socialism and, when they were and young, communism was wrong. They didn't think so. And the, everyone either sold out or went to jail. Okay, well, I, I, I just don't agree that, with you. That socialism was popular among the boomers when they were young? No, uh, I yes, it it was, but not in the same in the same way as as we think about it today. I, again, I, I again, I also disagree. I'm sorry. Most uh, most hi- most most hippies were caught carrying yeah, Mao's red fine. book around with them during the Vietnam War. The hippies weren't the majority True. of the population. They weren't fifty percent of the population. They weren't forty two percent of the population. No one's ever going to accept the old people to go with this. I, I'm not trying to argue that, but I'm going to point out that during the American Revolutionary War, a whole lot less than 42% were in favor of it. You don't need a majority to have a revolution. Because again, we've talked about this before, the majority are centrists. Most centrists don't want things to change much either direction. They don't want rapid change. I would also like to point out too, something that I'd like to shift the focus on. I think we all agree where we want this to go. We want the working class to have the power in this country. We want healthcare for the poor and for not just for the poor, but for everyone. I don't care if you're poor or rich. I want you to have healthcare and be healthy. I care less if you're rich because you can afford to do it on your own (laughs) and you're doing nothing to help the poor people get it. But that's what I want. I want the people of this country and ultimately I guess people all over the world to not have to worry about basic needs. I'm including food, water, shelter, education. Like these are things that we as a society have evolved to the point that we can provide it to every single man, woman, and child in this, on this planet. We can do it right now. We produce way more food than is necessary to feed the entire population of this planet. And we don't fucking do it. We have more houses than homeless people. We, that, that's actually, I, I looked it up. That's, that's not technically true. That's a, a, a check it out to verify, but I, I looked it up last time you said it and that's not a true statistic. However, it doesn't matter because we can produce enough houses to, to service all of our homeless pe- population. We can produce enough clothes to put good Correct. clothes and shoes on the back of all of our, 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 pe- our populace. We can do it now. We as a society have gotten to the point that we should be working less I mean, All right. again, everyone the, should the, be taken the, care of. The White House report from two years ago was that over half a million Americans don't have a home to sleep in any given night, while 17 million homes are left empty. Yeah, except it's that from the White House. I, mean, I would love to wrong. see what the, the the better one is. So my overall point, regardless of whether the housing statistic is wrong or right, yeah. is is that we have gotten to the point with our technology where this should not be a worry anymore. And yet we are still seeing untold amounts of suffering all over the world. The wealth a power ability and technology is there that we can eliminate it. And we choose not to. And I think all of us agree. We need that to happen. And it doesn't appear from any of our viewpoints that capitalism is that solution ever. And again, that eventually if you believe that, goods, resources, money, housing should be allocated based on need, that's socialism. Again, Kay and I can argue all day long about how that should be implemented, but we all we both agree 
that distributing wealth and resources by need is the ethical thing to treat humanity. And that's socialism, kids. Correct. And yeah, everything I'm reading on this thing is that the number the White House put out was wrong. It was overinflated, but there are still more empty homes than homeless people. All right. And again, that, that's fine. I just wanted to be clear with <laughs> yeah, our facts here. I didn't want to. Yeah, but that's why I want to put that in there, too, is that like, okay, so that what I said originally was still correct. There are more empty homes than there are homeless people. And that's the fruits of capitalism. And one of the reasons we have a housing problem in this country is also capitalism. Housing is no longer a commodity for people to live and survive in. Housing is an investment. Owning property is now an investment. It's not, oh, I need to spend some money and buy a home for my family. Because now you're competing with foreign and domestic investors, people owning 74,000 homes, foreign investors buying tracts of land, communities being built only to be sold to rental management companies. And it drives the, the cost of living through the roof. And now we have what we have, what is a single family home being a million dollars in some places. And that's insanity. But that's where capitalism gets us in a socialistic system. How, again, you would not be allowed to be a renter. You would not be allowed to own homes simply to rent them for profit. That would be illegal. Yeah. Um, that's actually one of the coolest things that was done in um, that uh, Thomas Sankari, which, by the way, if anybody's interested in looking up other stuff, um, Pat, if we've inspired you to look up anything, check out Thomas Sankara um, he, in the 80s. Um, the, the, uh, the upper Volta, which was a French colony, uh, had a coup and a guy named Thomas Sankara took over. Uh, he was a communist, uh, changed the name to, uh, to Burkina Faso, which it still has. Um, and they were in a few years before he was of course assassinated by the Americans and French. Um, they were focused on social welfare completely. They ousted colonizers. Um, all they cared about was preventing famine with agrarian self-harm. They planted fucking trees. Um, they created, uh, they vaccinated 2 million children within two years. And, uh, you know, saving almost like, I feel like 50 or 60,000 kids are, you know, estimated the, the, the infant mortality dropped. Production rose like 80%. Um, one of the numbers I have is infant mortality dropped from 208 per 100,000 to 145 in two fucking years. And the problem was, is they wouldn't take loans from the IMF because it was controlled by the Americans and the French who they just ousted from their country. So we assassinated him. <laughs> You know, and they immediately became allied with, with the Americans, the French, and the IMF. And that's, but that's something to look at with, if you want to talk about rapid change being limited too quick, that's a good way to go. And if you want to look at one of the reasons why sometimes like Kay is making the point is that fails and causes even more bloodshed, typically it's capitalist imperialists that do that. Um, and I think we wouldn't, I think we wouldn't need violent revolution and seizing of the means of production if it wasn't owned by capitalists. Um, I think if socialism came about before capitalism, we wouldn't have a problem. But the problem is socialism came about, as we see historically, because of capitalism, in protest of, in opposition to. Um, and that's, that's why that always happens. That's why there's blood. And if we can if we can find a way to end capitalism without a socialistic revolution, I am all ears because that would be the perfect marriage between me and Kay's philosophies. Uh, there's always, there's always a good, uh, uh, a good yelling at between Chris and myself uh, when we get started talking about socialism and, and communism. 
as there should be. And this is how political change happens. It happens as friends yelling at each other at coffee houses. That is that is how every social revolution starts. Well, and and it it's more about the fact that we can still have an idea that is different from one another and still be civil and have a, a wonderful friendship between us that this is not a it this is not the type of ideological difference that destroys two people these are are small things and us being able to talk about it and share that conversation with with all of our listeners is the reason why we do this in general is to get everyone thinking about this to get everybody to look at it and to understand it and to form your own opinion about it don't just listen to chris don't just listen to me you know i yeah i may be on the the wrong side of it and that's okay and chris may be on the wrong side of it and that's okay too I, w- I would also go a step further and also I think it, it, this is a little cliche, so bear with me, but like people get a little too wrapped up in labels. Um, at the end of the day, take the socialism label off of it. Can we all agree that if we have the ability as a, as a race of people on this planet to make sure that every man, woman, and child is fed, clothed, housed, and all and and has good health care. If we have the ability to do that, shouldn't we do it? Of course, I think we most. Should. I think, and I think most people would agree with that. Where we start getting into weird crap is when you start putting labels on it, and then you also get some people that are like, "Well, I don't want to pay for some guy to sit in a house all day and do nothing." Well, okay, you're a piece of shit. Why does that person have to die? Because you, he's this person that is even even affecting you're not even aware of, but because you intellectually know that your money, a piece of your labor is going to make sure that guy can sit on his ass. You're suddenly offended and he has to die. Like, I mean, that's the shittiest fucking position to take ever. I, I would like to I modify that. In, I, I actually what? disagree. I think labels are important. I don't think it's that we should not label. I think I do too, to be honest. And I think what Matt is actually thinking is be educated on those labels and don't make assumptions based on them. Which I think is, I think it's kind of the gist of what you're that saying. Was yeah. the, that was the point I was working my way towards. That is the, that is the point I was eventually going to. I speak, I speak, Matt. Yeah, but having an idea and forming your own opinion is the important part of this. The, the labels are less important than what your opinion of those ideas are. One of the things I hate is when everyone calls everything they don't like fascism. <laughs> because hype. Yeah. Well, yeah. or they call everybody a Nazi, even though they're they have nothing to do with Nazis. Yeah, yeah and but you don't you don't understand. Uh, see, Antifa they use violence, therefore that means they're fascist. No, it means it means we use violence, and that's fucking great. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, you know, again, you know, on the topic of socialist programs, how's the how's the postal office doing in this podcast? Doing well. Uh, I don't have any shout outs this week. Sorry, there are a few people that have uh, reached out, but th- I did want to do a quick announcement. So as some of you have been following us are aware, maybe you turn this shit off before we even get to this point. If so, sorry. Um, I always do. Yeah. But, you know, we've been kind of pushing. We're trying to get our podcast to grow. A lot of you have been helpful with that. We've been really pushing uh, the the reviews and ratings on iTunes because we, like almost every other podcaster out there, has believed that those are what kind of help boost you in the algorithm of iTunes, of Apple. 
So apparently come, not so much, not so much come to find out that's complete horseshit. There's absolutely no evidence to support that. It's just one of these things that every podcaster seems to believe. And, and, and every new podcaster that comes yep. up, hears it and then repeats and we are it, guilty of it and too. it just keeps going down. And there's really, we are hundred percent guilty of it, but um, being the good, diligent uh, fact finders that we are, we investigated it and found out it's actually, I can't say it's horseshit, but what I can say is there is absolutely no evidence to support it. Apple as a company has come out and outright said that those things are not factored into their algorithm, that it has to do um, more with, I think, listens and things like that than anything else. And so it has more know. to do with actual traffic. And yeah, I'm not exactly. saying that's not true, but I would point out that A, Apple says they don't practice slavery either. And also, that is a great way to discourage bots from leaving overzealous and, and, and like flooding your input system. Now, I'm not saying that's how it is. I'm just saying I, I'm not going to necessarily yeah. say no because, yeah. I'm not citing Apple as our only source, though. There's there's no independent verification of this either. I was just putting that Correct. as a for instance, because it's not just me going to Apple's website and saying, oh, Apple says no, it must be true. No, there's literally nobody out there that's been able to independently verify this at all. And so moving on, what we've been saying is once we get to 50 uh, reviews or ratings, we would do a audience picks the episode. We've decided to change that. And so what we're going to do is we're looking for people to follow and listen to us. And in that vein, what we're going to start doing is trying to drive traffic to Spotify. Spotify is where most of our listeners are listening to us. It's where we have our biggest follower base. Um, and that's what we want. So every 50 uh, subscribers that we get on, on Spotify, we are going to have some sort of a giveaway, some sort of a prize. Just like we were going to do 50 reviews for iTunes, we're keeping that number the same. Every 50 on Spotify that subscribes to us and listens to us, we are going to give a giveaway. Now, what we had planned before, once we got to 50 reviews on iTunes, is we were going to let the audience pick our next topic. We have already, in the time we've been doing this, we've already well surpassed 50 uh, subscribers on Spotify. So we are giving it, you, the audience, the opportunity to pick our next big topic. So that's what we're doing. So audience, you get to pick our episode. I'll be putting polls up on all of our social media accounts, uh, just kind of outlining this. We'll be, we'll be blasting this at the end of each episode. Really try to help us out there. Boost, like if you like us, if you want us, if you think other people should listen to us or like what we have to say, or you think other people might have better rebuttals to what we're saying, put us out there, tell us, subscribe, and we'll let you guys, this time you're picking the episode. Who knows what we might do next time? We might keep that up. We might do some other stuff. We might have some fun giveaways. I hope we get trolled. I hope it's like, you know, Chris has to talk about the goods of, of nonviolent change and Matt has to go off about how great Ted Cruz is. One thing I will say this though, I, oh, if I, if, if that's what the audience wants, I mean, I'm going to need like 80 showers in a vomit bucket while I'm doing it, but that's what, that's what our listeners want. So be it. If there's anything I believe in, it's the free market. <laughs> but that's what we're doing, folks. Um, thank you so much for everyone that's been boosting our numbers on Spotify. Uh, you can listen to us anywhere. We're on Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. Spreaker? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's one. It's a thing. I was about to say the same. I was like, Spreaker. yeah, it, it, it's one. It's not the biggest one, but it's one of them. We're on. I've never even heard of this. Pandora. You, yeah. 
I've been yeah, told again, worse. There's there's a billion different podcast apps. We're on most, if not all of them. But Spotify is where we're going to focus our all of our attention right now. So keep boosting those numbers. Subscribe to us. That's the key. Not just listening, but you got to be a subscriber. Um, we're doing the. We're going to be you know advertising the uh, the fifty subscriber uh, prize, which is you guys picking the uh, next episode probably for the next couple of weeks. But once we hit a hundred subscribers on Spotify, we'll have another one ready for you guys. So yeah. And we will, and keep a look on Twitter. We will, uh, we'll put up a poll on what our next topic should be. We'll throw up a whole bunch of ideas and let you guys there vote you on them. So thank you all for being here. I know this was a, uh, a long one. Uh, thank you for being here for a two parter. We, uh, we usually try to keep it around an hour, hour and 15 at most. Uh, but this is a topic where, you know, we had a lot to discuss. There was a big history dump and well, I mean, me and Kay had to yell at each other. So that's, that takes a while. It does. So uh, we split it up, and I'm glad you're here for it. I hope you liked it. Let us know in the let us know in the comments, and you know, hit us up on Twitter and, and or or email Matt and bug him. Uh, let us know if you thought this was a good idea, or if this was way too long winded. Give us some feedback. We'd the Outlet Podcast at Gmail dot com and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Either one, both great places to get a hold of Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but that being said, thank you for being here. This was fantastic. Thanks for joining us on this uh, this ridiculous angry ride we went on. I hope uh, I hope you learned something. I'm not angry. Like something. I'm always angry. I'm red. Um, <laughs> you can't be a communist if you're not mad. Um, but thanks for being here. We had a great time. I hope you guys did too. Uh, hope we hear from you. And we will see you next week. And until then, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And remember, the revolution is you.